on the series where we're talking about being together. All right? And, and we've done a few togethers thus far. And when you look at this slide, I don't know what you see. I hope you see something. If you don't, please wave your hand so we can pray for your eyesight. All right. There's something that's quite visible and evident from that, that slide, isn't it? Anybody can give me an idea. What does it say? Is somebody coming ready to give you, to offer something? And so we're going to talk about, and that's the next slide. We're going to talk about the simple statement that we want to make, which is at your service. And so we've spoken about being together in growth. We're going to grow together. We've spoken about being together in, in worshiping our King. And this morning we're going to talk about together at service, that we are actually all supposed to be at His service and at the service of each other. And really what this statement means, at your service, it's a formal way of introducing yourself to someone and saying that you are willing to help them in any way you can. It's being ready or available for someone else's use. Where I say, hey, I'm at your service, Joma. I'm actually saying, listen, whatever it is that you want me to help you with, in my ability, as far as I possibly can, I'm at your service. And, and we're going to look and, and, and discuss this a bit so that at the end of the meeting, we can literally do what this thing actually implies, where we wrap it around our arms and we go around and we say, this is how I want to live. I want to live at your service. At your service, my king, and at your service. And, and I'm not just talking about people in King City Church, because this is perhaps more easy and, and, and more comfortable to do it here, but God has called us to do it way beyond this context. And so I, I want to ask the question, how does this look like? To be at your service. To be readily available to serve. And serving is a beautiful thing because it comes so natural, doesn't it? Hey? We all just love to serve. <laughs> no, it's not so simple. But the way in which we need to introduce this is not to look at how we are supposed to do it and how we have done it because we failed dismally in this in the past and we probably will still continue to but we need to look at the supreme example and and there's no better place to start by looking at God himself we always find our best example in him and and so servanthood is is actually part of the trinity the trinity is who father son and holy spirit and we see that within that context the three of them being one, but yet being distinct, each having a different role, we see that there's serving taking place. And so the standard of servanthood is established by God himself. Not just telling you and me to serve, but to serve each other, even in the Trinity. We find Jesus in Matthew 12, and I'm going to ask you to turn with me to various scriptures this morning, and you better be awake. All right? There's no complaint. There's not, there's not too much heat this morning. Amen to that. And uh, so we are able to stay awake and be alert and let the fingers do the walking through the white pages called the Bible. And if you have a swipe device, swipe then. But then in Matthew 12, verse 15 to 18 says the following. 
Now, Jesus is, is amongst his disciples, and he's have said various things. In verse 15, it says, Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Um, because there was a conspiracy that there was that was going against him, and many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. Listen to this. Verse 17 says, This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So in Isaiah chapter 42 already, this is spoken of um, about Jesus. It says, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and it carries on. But it really is God the Father through the prophet Isaiah, making a statement about Jesus. Saying what? He will be a, a servant. This is my servant, he's saying. It's not just your servant. He's saying, it's my servant that will come and serve. All right? Now, you get a, in, the, in the whole pursuit of trying to get us to be at his service, we're going to see how much Jesus is at the service of the Father. So that we can, at the end of the day, say, mm, I really don't have much of an excuse. So you're now stuck in this meeting. You're not going anywhere. The doors are closed. You're going to be exposed to the truth so that you possibly will say, yes, being at his service. Amen? Because Jesus did that. And if Jesus can do it, you and I have no excuse. We carry on. In John 17, Jesus is talking to his father, and he's, and he's just at the end of his time, busy just preparing for the last couple of things that need to be done, and he has his time of prayer. And in John 17, he makes the statement about what he had come to do. And I'd like to read to you from verse 4. It says, I glorified. He's speaking to his father, right? We try just to see the dynamics of servanthood within the Trinity. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And, and various other places you will find that Jesus says, I do nothing unless I've heard from the Father. My will is the Father's will. It's not my own will. He's right at the end. He said, Father, please take this cup from me. He's on the cross. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. So he really implies through that that I've come to serve the Father's will. He's serving the Father. Jesus also is spoken of by the prophet, by the apostle Paul in, um, in Philippians. Listen to this where it's talking about the way in which Jesus had come to do the Father's will. It's still trying to help us understand that within the Trinity, there was this beautiful, beautiful picture of servanthood. So in Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, Having, Have this mind among yourselves. So Paul is speaking to us as Christians, and he's speaking particularly to the Christians in the city called Philippi. And he says, Guys, 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 have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, though he was God, it says, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So he did not say, I need to stay this. But it says, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, 
That's not different form. He came as God, but he took on the form of man. It says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here Paul introduces us to the whole reality and the truth that when Jesus came, he didn't fight to be God. He said, okay, I'll take on the form of a man and serve humanity through this. But he does, that's what the Father, because it says he became obedient, verse 8, to the point of death. Now you've got to just stop and, and, and think of something here with me. It's the first time that I really want to mention this Greek word for servant called doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S, doulos. Now doulos actually means slave. It really is supposed to be translated slave. If you go and read your Greek New Testament, which you all have, all right, and you go to Philippians 2 and verses um, 7, you will find that it actually is the, the, the root word there is doulos, which is not actually servant. It actually means slave. And so Jesus was completely prepared to be stripped away of his rights and his securities to be compared to a slave. All right? This means that the Son of God took on a new form. We see there that it says he took on a human form, which was an entire transformation of character from being equal to God, verse 6, to being a servant or slave of God. Verse 7. Now, now imagine just with me, there's, there's two other Greek words that I want you to know. And by the way, we're not trying to impress you when we say Greek words. We're just trying to help you understand the full meaning of Scripture. Because so often we, we miss this if we don't go deeper into what the Greek words are. Because we know that the Old Testament was translated from the original language called Hebrew. Old Testament, New Testament, original language that it was written is Greek. All right? And so when we go and look at those, those original words, it helps us to understand what we really need to see. So here we have two big words that, that the word doulos stand in contrast with. We see that, that the word God, therefore God, verse 9, is the word theos, where we get our word theology from, which is the study of God. Theos is the word there in verse 6. And then we see in, in verse 11, there's the word for Lord or Master or Curios. Now, now, Paul uses the word Curios and Theos, and he uses the word slave in the same context. He says this God, Theos, and this Lord, Curios, chose to be Doulos, slave. It's the opposite. Master, slave. Jesus introduces to us the standard of living. He says, I can be this, but I'm not fighting to be it. But I'm obedient to my father. I'm a slave of my father. I'll do what my father says. I'll serve. I'm at his service. This is what I've chosen to do. Holy Spirit comes and does the same. We're still within the Trinity, all right? Our responsibility is coming up, so don't worry. Okay? It's coming. We're talking about what, what it's like amongst the three of them. And so we see Jesus serves the Father. We see Holy Spirit in, in John 15, verse 26. I'll read it to you. Holy Spirit chooses to serve 
Jesus and the Father. It says, but when the Holy Spirit comes, John is writing about what Jesus said. He says, whom I will send to you, this is Jesus speaking, from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He will come and serve you about who I am. He will not come and present himself to you. He will come and talk to you about me. Jesus is speaking about Holy Spirit. How beautiful is that? That they work together as a team. So Holy Spirit has come in the same way that Jesus came from the Father to serve the purposes of God as set out by the Father. John 16 verse 13 is another verse. It says, when the Spirit of truth comes, Jesus speaking again. He said he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, where will he hear from? From the Father, from Jesus, from whatever he hears, he will, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus says. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. It's a beautiful way of saying, Holy Spirit has come to serve me, to take, I'm now gone. Jesus saying, what will happen? I'll be gone. But as I go, and as I'm not with you anymore, Holy Spirit will come and declare to you what you need to hear. He will come and serve me. And through that also serve you. And so, clearly we see that even Holy Spirit is doing what he's told and serves the will of the Father and of the Son. Our, our excuse level the degree of our, our, our margin, rather, of excuses is becoming less and less, isn't it? It's like, well, Father is expecting Jesus to serve him. And, and Jesus is saying, well, the Holy Spirit has come to serve my will, and he will declare what is mine to you. And so if we have an escape route, it's becoming less and less visible to not serve. You see that? I hope you're excited about that. I don't think so, because it's going to challenge our comfort zones. But anyway, that's a good thing to do. The Father and the Son together, working as one, sent the Spirit to complete the work of God. And the Spirit was prepared to serve in this way. And He still is doing that today. And so serving was never, never ever demeaning to, to any one of them. A, a, a way of being humiliated or, or belittled. We, we see that in the world today. That, oh, you serve, you, you, you actually, you know, you, you become humiliated through your serving. But no, 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 Jesus... <laughs> Jesus celebrated. It's one of the greatest things that you can do because he did it. And therefore, Paul writes in the same chapter in, in Philippians 2, he says, therefore the Father in heaven has given him a name above every other name because of his willingness to serve, to say, Father, at your service, here I am. And so the standard of what it means to be a servant was clearly set by God and already exercised by the Trinity. Very clear. So amongst them, that's happening. Now, now, now we come and we see how Jesus does that towards you and me. As we look at the, the, the next examples in Matthew 20. Turn there with me, because you're going to stick with me. This is so exciting. I hope that you are um, as excited as what I am about the truth of being a servant. And there's an amen missed there. Completely. Absolutely must. When we say, you know, you've got destiny in the life of God and you've got, a, you've got provision in Jesus and you've got a hope in Jesus and you've got healing. Everybody goes, Amen! 
But when I say, you're called to be a servant of Jesus and, and, and lay down your life and be a slave. Yeah, it's quiet then, eh? Very quiet. Matthew 20. There's this incredible moment happening where the mother, the mother comes and, and makes a request to Jesus, like many of us fathers and mothers would want to do for our children. It says, um, let me read it to you from verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him, this is not Jesus, with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. <laughs> That's something. <laughs> that something is something we all want to do for our children. But sometimes we should just let God do the work and not interfere. Uh -huh. uh, how many of you want to get your children into spaces that you think is best for them, but that's not from God? Because we think, oh, I couldn't, so I'm, I want my children to. So it was not destined for me or was not, oh, I was not privileged enough to have this. And I'm not against trying to get the best for your children. But make sure that what you have in mind for your children is what God's mind is for them. Don't you try to force them into places that they're not supposed to go into. Don't try them let, don't try them let become something or someone that is not God's plan for their lives. Make sure that you hear from God and then channel them lovingly and, and, and with all the support that you can give them towards that. But don't try to force them into a, a space that is not God's space for them. That was for free. As we go back, it says, and she asked, she asked him for something, and, and he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one on your right hand and uh, to your left in your kingdom. <laughs> it's like Jesus, I, I, these two boys, oh, they're the best boys. <laughs> yo, 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 these ones, they deserve one on your left, one on your right. So would you not just try to make space for them? Because I think, oh, they'll be. The second to none. They'll be the best that you've ever had. <laughs> and Jesus, he says the following. You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink? Which is the cup of suffering. Laying down his life. I mean, that's actually when you say your sons should join me. That's what they're going to be joining. If you want that. Oh, time out, Jesus. I never knew that was going to be part of the seating arrangement. Huh? So beware what you want for your children. That it's of God and not just your own, you know, special or clever plan. Then they said to him, we are able. As though they completely knew what this was about. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand. And he said, actually, they did. They did go through suffering these disciples of Jesus. But he says, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those who, for whom it has been prepared by my Father. I'm again serving the will of the Father here. I'm not determining these things by myself. And when the ten heard it, <laughs> so what do we have? We have twelve and two, the mother of the two. Let me just force myself. Jesus, Jesus, quickly just let me, my two boys. And they said they are able. Then the other ten are like, <laughs> now there's sudden jealousy. It's like they in, it says here, when the other two, ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. Not because they were now able to speak to Jesus, because they were asking for something that they all wanted. Uh -huh. 
Because, I mean, there's some other conversations that, that Jesus overheard and knew they were having while they were walking, saying, who is the greatest amongst us? Do you think it's me? Or do you think it's that guy? Or, and they were, they were doing these fleshly, having these fleshly conversations. And Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentile lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them? So he's talking about lordship and authority. He says, it shall not be so among you. It doesn't stop there. Boy, if only he would have stopped there. It would have been great. But no, he doesn't stop there. He carries on. He says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So Jesus is not saying it's wrong to be great. He says, but there's a different great, different um, definition of greatness that I want you to understand. If you want to be great, that's fine. Haha, <laughs> this is how you do it. He says, if you want to be great, be a servant. And whoever, verse 27, whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Doulos. Doulos. Even if the Son of Man, listen to this, as an example again, there's a standard. Even if the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is very clear here. He uses two words to talk about. The one servant is the word diakonos, where we get our word deacon from in this very portion. He says, if you want to be um, great, become a diakonos, become a servant. And then he uses, later on, he says, whoever would be first must be your slave, doulos. So he says, servant is great, it's wonderful. But he says, actually, what you need to do is you need to become a slave. It implies that a person must give himself up wholly to the will of another. So we need to say, I'm at your service. I'm here to, to really give as much as I possibly can to you. Look how he further uh, explains this. And, and, and here he actually gives us an incredible example of how it should be done. John 13. And this is the portion where we get a little bit more uncomfortable when we look at this portion, where, where Jesus is now saying, guys, I'm about to be killed, and, 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 and you know, there's going to be something tragic happen. But before I go through that, I want to do something for you, because I want to show you something that you don't just need to be aware of, but I want you to be this. And so Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. And so he says, in verse 14 of John 13, he says, If I then, your Lord, we're not going to read through the whole entire portion, but he does this incredible act of humbling himself and of saying, I'm at your service. He says, If I then, your Lord, verse 14, and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus shows us and then he tells us. He doesn't just tell us first. He first shows us. And then he tells us. And then we follow that example. To be at his service. And in Acts 1 verse 8 is a beautiful example of how Holy Spirit has come to be at our service. So not only do they serve one another in the Trinity, but Jesus serves us. He says it's better to to come, I've come to serve you and not to be served. And Holy Spirit, Jesus says of him in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses because of the power that he will enable you to receive. You will become something that you're not able to do on your own. So he will serve you towards a greater objective than just making money and being happier on earth. He will serve you so that you can hoist the flag and indeed make a statement for me and indeed be my disciple makers and indeed be my witnesses. And if you look at the Greek word for witness there again, it's the Greek word martyrio, which is where we get our word martyr from. So this is signing up for something serious where we say at your service, Lord. Requires my life. So what does the Bible then teach about how we should serve? How we should be at his service? Because we've now seen how Jesus and Holy Spirit, they do it amongst each other and they do it. We don't have enough time to take you to more examples about how they do it for us. But we've got to, first of all, as we consider how we should respond to this example set by them, we should recognize that this is what we are destined to be. When we say yes to Christ, we also say yes to this. And unfortunately, friends, we only lure people into the kingdom through the promise of eternal life and we let them pray the sinner's prayer, which is, God, I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I, I commit my life to you. I, I want to live for you and, and I want to have eternal life. And that is a promise from Scripture. And we, Great, that's wonderful. Let's carry on. Now you can live your life. But part of the process of becoming more like Christ is becoming more of a slave or a servant. That's what you sign up for. And maybe you never read the fine print when you signed up for following Jesus. This morning, I'm disclosing to you, not fine print, but it's in bold. It is clear from Scripture. And you've got to understand that this is the lifestyle that you and I are called to live. We don't have an option in this, folk. The moment you say yes to Christ, this is what you and I say yes to. And unfortunately, in the translation of the Bible, we have often seen, because of the negative understanding and the stigma related to slavery, which has obviously had a huge effect on, on world history. What the Bible often has done is because of that stigma, where the word doulos is mentioned, they'd rather use the word servant than slave. But if you read your Greek New Testament, you will find that most of the time where it says servant, it actually should say slave. Where we absolutely commit ourselves to him. And there are certain things that overlap between servant and slave, but the distinct difference is a, a servant is hired and a slave is owned. A servant is hired, but a slave is owned. So when I say yes to Christ, I want to serve. But my servanthood goes towards the extent that I don't determine how much and how far. And, but he does. He's the one who's in control and should be in control of that. Servants decide who they want to work for and have some form of independence. Slaves in the Greek-Roman world at the time of the New Testament, to be someone's slave was to be his possession. 
bound to obey his will without hesitation or argument. <laughs> That's a doulos. So when we are called to doulos, our king, our master, we're his possession. We belong to him. I do not belong to myself. Now there's a strange and a very interesting balance that we find that, that Paul himself and Jesus Jesus says in John 15, verse 13, and you'll have those two verses up there, and, and Paul writes in Galatians 4, they both say these words, I do not call you slaves or the enemy anymore, but I call you friends. And, and Paul says that, that we're no longer slaves, we are sons. So it's beautiful to see that we do not la- carry the identity of someone who has no value, but we've given value as sons and daughters of God. But you know what? We are both. And this is the interesting mystery of the beautiful kingdom of God. Is that, yes, we are sons and daughters. And we've been given an incredible inheritance. We've become his heirs. And, and in him, we've been adopted. And we've been given new identity. We don't longer are, 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 are stuck in our past and, and with no identity as what a slave would be. You don't longer have a name. We've now been given names and identity in Christ. We're followers of Christ. At the same time, we see how the very apostles, the very ones that given us the word of God, talk about themselves being slaves. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, says, I'm a servant of God. But she uses the word doulos. You go read Romans 1, verse 1. You go read um, Galatians 1, verse 10, and Philippians 1, verse 1. And all these first kind of seven verses of many of the letters written by the apostles, you find that it refers to them as slaves of Christ. Understanding one thing, that I do not belong to myself, but I belong to Him. You read about how this applies to us. And let me take you to Romans. Are you still with me? All right, let's, let's go. We, we're going to finish on how this applies to us by reading a couple of verses together. Romans 6. Verses 17 to 19 says the following. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness now. So now we, where sin has controlled us, we want to say, God, let your righteousness control me. I want to be a slave. I want to be indebted to you. I want to be possessed by your righteousness, which means the following. And listen up now. You and I are more prone to to live righteously than to sin. Not because I'm so special, but we walk around as though we are just slaves to sin the whole time. But you're actually a slave to righteousness that you can commit honorable, righteous acts before your God in heaven and that the world can see too. That's what you and I are able as followers of Christ, having been justified by Him through what He did on the cross for us. We are set free from sin so that we can be righteous in all that we do. It says in verse 23, 
Rather, in verse 19, it says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. But just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, where we just had no control of ourselves, now as followers of Christ, leading to more lawlessness, and now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification, which is holiness. And verse 23 says, or rather 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. See that word again? Doulos, of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. I've got to just let the word speak to you. Galatians 5, turn there with me please again. Another verse. Galatians 5 verse 13 says the following. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Hey, we're free. Thank God I'm free. Amen. All right, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. You're free. You're a son. But there's something else that comes in you. It says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, do lose one another. Aha. Uh-huh. So freedom is there. Amen. And we sometimes just stop with that. But there's an aspect of reality that also comes in that says we ought to serve one another. Look at Philippians. It's our last verse that we're going to look at. Philippians chapter 2. Going back to what Paul wrote about Jesus. Now, before that, he says what we ought to do. He says, do nothing, verse 3. Do something. No. What does it say? Do nothing. You want to say that with me again? Nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not to his own interest, not only because you have to look at your own interest, but don't only do that, but also to the interest of others. And so Jesus has set the example for us. If Jesus had purposed, and I believe he has, that the prime vehicle for him to accomplish his plan and his work here on earth is through world vision or food aid or through, I don't know, USAID or whatever organization is out there that's really out to make a difference. Jesus did not choose them. He chose the church. All right? Not a church, but the church globally. To let the world see who he is. Then one of the primary ways in which the church need to reveal who Jesus is, is obviously through love, but also through this doulos attitude that we ought to have of serving. And if we can't serve each other here, there's no way we're going to be able to manage it outside. So we need to challenge one another and say, look at what Jesus has done. Look at what Holy Spirit has done. And let's do the same. And if it's not present in your life, in my life, if I'm not willing, let me go back to that hoisting of the flag. If the flag this morning on, would, would say, at your service, and I'm like, <laughs> this one I'm going to leave in the drawer, definitely. Then I challenge you this morning, you've got to repent. I've got to repent and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm not following you the way in which I should. You've come to serve. I'm leading that flag. I'm leaving it in the drawer. 
Actually, it's full of dust. I need to take it out, shake the dust off, and hoist the flag and say, I'm at your service, my king. And I'm at your service, Leo. Quinn, blessing, I'm at your service. I can, you know, I can't promise you everything because I'm not God. But whatever I can do within my capability, I want to be there for you. Sometimes I can't. And I'll be honest with you and say, sorry, I'm, I'm perhaps extremely tired, but I'm going to try my best. But I want to be at your service. So I want to close just, how can this practically look like? And this is just a few ideas. Because now we can't just leave it up there as a spiritual, oh, great, I'm at your service. I'll just turn off my phone. <laughs> no one can reach me. Yes. Or I'll just close the gate. I'm just not available at the moment. The network is not good. No, no, how can we practically do this? You'll never be able to turn off the network of this. There will always be a tap on our shoulder. Say, come on, come on. I want you to serve. I want you to serve. And so we look at home, husbands and wives to each other, the children to the parents, and the children to the children, and the parents to the children, and, and all these things. It starts there by the way we honor each other. Come on. I'm not talking about just taking the garbage out and washing the dishes and making the bed and picking up your clothes and all those things are good. I'm talking about honoring. It starts with an attitude, a great attitude that we ought to have. By showing an interest in each other's worlds and asking about your children, your wife, asking her, asking him, and then listening. Oh, tell me about your day. And did you listen? Sorry, sorry, what was that again? That's how we serve each other, by giving a listening ear. By being present and not absent. And yes, you can be busy. Yes, you ought to work. But come on, the one best thing that you can do for your family is being present. It's being there. It's presencing yourself amongst them and saying, I'm here for you. I want to listen to you. I want to be with you. I want to engage you. You've got to let others be heard and not just let them listen to you. Engage the children. Don't just make sure that all the practical things are done that should be done. Ask questions. Ask about each other's lives and show a genuine interest. In a general way, we've got to serve people with our gifts and talents. We can. We can give time and resources to those in need. I'm just throwing out a few here. You can show that you're interested in others and caring for them by caring for them. And not just going around doing our own thing. Ask the person at the tool what their name is. Now, these days it's easy. But just, hey, so that's your name. Just stop and showing interest. That's serving. Even at work, just inquiring about people's weekend. So how was your weekend? And don't worry about that car. All right? If you want to serve somebody, go and break the window and just up now. No, no, the point is, just look out for opportunities. One of the best things we can do is, is actually make this a prayer. God, as I hoist this flag, I want to ask you to make my heart sensitive to moments and opportunities to serve, to be doulos, to somebody else. God, I, I'm so aware of, of my own needs, and, and I, I have my list. But, but Father, please sensitize my heart towards my family, towards my friend, and just people in general. You're driving, and there's a car stuck next to the road and it's so easy just to ignore it god help me to be sensitive and i know and it's not always so simple and i know for ladies you can't just stop and 
safety and security, all those things. But, but sensitize your heart, would you, to what God would want us to do. Stop for others, even when you're busy. Pray for opportunities and, and, and anticipate doors to open. Anticipate and say, God, I've asked you. Please help me to see these opportunities that there are. Not somebody, you're standing behind somebody that's just trying to get the money out and then there's not enough in the eco cash and there's not enough cash and, and then the swipe is not. It's like they're only short about 50 bond and come on, could you just move on? The high, yes, 50 bond, or 50 rand, or 50 US. How's that? <laughs> no, no, seriously. Imagine that opportunity that comes and that person is just blown by your incredible generosity. Help organize something for others. Ask favor for the benefit of others. Ask Clive, because I know that T-Man is in there. Clive, I just, for T-Man's sake, he didn't ask me, but could you perhaps? I love doing that. It's so much easier to ask anybody else to, to be helped than not myself. Be willing, practical thing, be willing to be a peacemaker to help others. That's a way of serving. You know that there's a rift between two people and you can't come in and just help. Be willing. It's a simple way to, to, to serve. Take a step of faith in what you're prompted to do for others and trust God for the outcome. Do you know that there's some things that you can do in this community? Our dear lady that passed away, Vanya Cooper, was such a beautiful example of that. She saw a need and, and she started reaching out to some young ladies and she started getting something going and, and she was amazing and she was just so incredibly enthusiastic about it and she got this thing weekly going where she reached out into young ladies' lives and made a difference in their life because she felt prompted to serve. Simple things. Oh, I mean, there's so much. Serve at Sunday meetings. Be a friend to somebody. Practice hospitality. Help the elderly. Simple acts of service. Use your creativity. Share your talents. And then the big thing. Follow all of this up by guiding them towards the one who this is all about. Because otherwise, if you don't leave it behind that day, listen, why did I do this? Because God loves you. People will walk away and think, gee, that VC is a nice guy. And God doesn't get glorified. Make sure that, that you back it up with, hey, this is, a, this is God. Make sure that one of the best ways in which you can serve people also to guide them towards God by helping them see from Scripture who God is. Beautiful way to serve. And so I, I want to close. I want to ask you this morning, I want to close with this simple thing around my arm. If I come to you like this, you actually know what it means. You know that I'm actually indicating that I'm ready to serve you. I'm waiting on you. That's what a waiter does, isn't it? It's like, waiter, I'm ready there. I want to ask you, in your, in your own heart, if you feel that God is stirring you to put this thing around your arm. And, and you don't have to come up with specifics right now. It's just an attitude that says, God, I want to be at your service. I want to be ready to serve. I want to start at home, and I want to let it to go wider. I want to serve at my office, Lord God. I don't want to just be the one that waits for the coffee to come my way. I want to go and make it. I want to be ready to wash people's feet when necessary. I want to be at your disposal. I want to be at your service. I want to ask you to close your eyes. I want to ask you to seriously consider just this little piece of cloth and what it means.
and what you may be challenged with this morning. And this is not something that you're going to sign up for. We don't have forms for you to fill in in which area of the church's life you can serve. This is an attitude I'm talking about, not firstly an act. I'm asking you to consider the attitude of being at His service. And in your heart, as you sit there, your eyes closed, if you're saying yes to Jesus, I'm at your service, just speak to Him about it. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything physically. I'm asking you just to speak to Jesus. And if there's any repentance that you need to make, and say, Jesus, I confess, I've been self-centered. I've focused on my own needs only. It's not wrong to focus on your own needs, but you cannot do that only. We've got to look beyond ourselves. One of the best things that you can do is serve your family into becoming followers of Jesus. Even here this morning, if you have family members that you know, you're there battling in their faith with God, one of the best things you can do is to serve them, my friend, by helping them into what it means to be a follower. Maybe they've grown cold in their walk with God. Serve them towards a, a full-on faith and a commitment towards Him. So Father, I pray this morning as we conclude our time together. I thank you, Jesus, for just a coolness in the air. But I thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit, that you are speaking to people. And right now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you will bring conviction that yes, we are sons. We have been given a new identity. But at the same time, we're also servants and slaves unto you. To avail ourselves to you and say, here I am. I want to be at your service. And so, sons and daughters of God. If that is just in your heart, just speak it to God and say, God, I put that cloth around my arm to say, here I am. I want to serve. I want to serve in every place that you have put me. At home, at school, at work, in the streets, here in the church. I want to be available. I want to be together with King City Church in serving. And at, at this incredible thing of seeing people become aware of who you are through acts of service. Father, I pray that you will help us as a church to be known. By you, not by men. It's what you think of us, Lord God, that matters most. And what you see of us. That we are people that are willing to go and serve. Not just one hour on a Sunday. But every single hour of every day of our lives. We want to be at your service. God, I pray for that in Jesus' name. Help us with this, Lord. Help us to be fruitful and to grow in this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.